This episode is thanks to KX Pilates, a dynamic, high-intensity reformer Pilates workout designed for everyone. Welcome to the Left of Field Podcast with Danny Kavanagh. Anthony, welcome to the Left of Field Podcast. How are you going today? I'm going very well. Thanks very much for having me on. No worries. Now, you're a very busy man. I've managed to uh, lock you down because you're just doing so many things these days. You do it all, really, don't you? Uh, well, during footy season, I get a lot of footy promos, so talks and things like that, and, you know, business talks and might be out some other things that I've done, you know, with Tab or Virgin Australia. But the yeah, majority of the time, I spend really health and nutrition. I do my coup de feet, and I've got a lot of clients. We get on board. We do challenges online. The nutritional products that I use are basically expand out to many countries internationally as well and so we have a lot of events that help develop us as well we've got one this weekend in Adelaide we've got another one coming up in Singapore so yeah quite a bit on but I enjoy it because footy you know we had a lot of goals and everything was so structured and things and I guess out of footy it was a bit like okay what do I do I need to continue to develop myself and find the goals and a passion something that I love again otherwise you know footy is just hard once you finish footy mentally so uh, yeah, I've been able to really enjoy this part of my career so it's been really good fun. Yeah you definitely found you know this your second career as you can say but let's start maybe then back with footy how did you get into mm. footy and how did you find yourself on the footy field? Well, at the age of eight I fell in love with the oval ball I went down to the local footy club and I you know tried out my friends invited myself and my older brother down there we didn't tell mum and dad so we went down there we trained and it was really dark by the time we got home and our parents were like furious, you know, where have you been? We told them, you know, we went down to footy club to try out and they really didn't want us to play the game. We said we really want to play. And I uh, yeah, had this uh, wonderful Australian family that picked us up from home and took us to the games. And then halfway through the year, mum and dad were out the front and they spoke to them and my dad started taking us. And then my mum started to come along the following year, so the second year, so at the age of nine, and my parents didn't miss one single game. They fell in love with the game and you know, introduced them to the Australian way, Australian culture, you know, both being vibrant. And the Australian people were wonderful, you know, they really embraced them. And we went from East Thomas down there to Tabola Football Club, which was even a much better football club back then in the 80s. And uh, my parents had such a great time there. We met wonderful friends that we're still friends with now. And, that's how I started. In the age of 14, I got a letter from the Carlton Football Club. I lived in the Carlton zone inviting me down to their junior development squad. We trained once a week for 10 weeks, and then if you got picked, you played off in the school carnival during the school holidays. Yeah, carnival during the school holidays, I should say. So at the start, I remember when that first night, it was probably 100, 100 something kids, and every week they sort of eliminated some, and then if you were lucky enough, you got picked. I made that team two years in a row, actually, and playing both times at fullback with a coach named Luke Sulos, and I think he's still involved with footy nowadays. I made the Victorian team. So from there, Colin invited me to the under-19s and I gave away playing for another football club and committed more. A bit more seriously then. I was still doing athletics at that time during the summer and footy in the winter. And then two years under-19s, you know, Till Carp made the All-Australian team and Colin offered me a contract. So that's sort of how my career started. And I guess when I got into the AFL, people thought I was more of an athlete than a footballer, but I'd started football since the age of eight, I just had, you know, an incredible athletic career also. So combined to both sports, I was very lucky. Yeah, and it sounds like you're destined to end up at the Blues. They saw talent in you, you know, from a very young age. Yeah, I was a mad Collingwood supporter. So I was a bit disappointed. I lived in the Carlton zone. 
the next suburb up, I think it was Reservoir, so they were Collingwood. But uh, Carlton was such a wonderful club back then. They were no doubt the most dominant football club in the AFL and never really understood why until I got there. So I was blessed to have been part of that generation of uh, the Carlton Football Club. People before me, I mean, I met up with Alex Marcoux yesterday, three premierships, you know, and I did a function not long ago, Peter McConville, Jimmy Buckley and Wayne Johnson. Peter McConville, you know, Jim Buckley, three premierships each. each. Wayne Johnson has four. So an incredible era at the, at the Carlton Football Club. And so I walked in and, you know, at that time, the end of 1990 for the 91 season, but it was a phenomenal team. You know, it took me three and a half years really to become a senior player, regular senior player. I was in and out. I played 50 reserve games, so I did it pretty tough. It wasn't easy for me, but I'm glad I ended up at the Cullen Football Club. Yeah, how did you, you know, cement your spot on the team? How did you get in? What do you think you did that really helped? I'm not sure. I mean, you know, the first year, 91, I didn't get a game. 92, I played six games. I won the reserves, but 93, I played eight games. I watched the boys play off in the grand final as I was emergency. And then 94, I played the first half and got dropped for two years. I went to see a sports psychologist. His, his name was Anthony Stewart, and he taught me these words, I can, I will, you just watch me. And I, he said, you've got to get a diary. You've got to write those words on your diary and highlight them every single day. And so I did it. And uh, two weeks later, I got picked on the wing and never looked back from that moment. So all, the, you know, all that heartache and pain during those three and a half years, maybe it was a sports psychologist. I've got a lot to thank him for. Anthony Stewart was a wonderful man, and the club employed him the following year, 1995. And, uh, you know, we won the premiership that year. So he may have been, you know, a big part of that uh, reason why we did win the premiership. And, uh, yeah, so certainly those words, whether it was the timing and everything and whether it was me finally playing in a position where I can showcase my skill, I'm not 100% sure. I guess the combination of all of it then helped me to become a regular senior player after that. Do you think it was common back then for players to, you know, ha- go through those mental struggles and then seek help for it? I don't think it wasn't as common as no. this today, was it? No, not at all. I think it was very unusual to go and see a sports psychologist. The club recommended me to go and see him. And, I, you know, as a young kid, I was a bit emotional up and down. And I knew I had the ability. I don't know if the coach had the faith in me. And so, you know, he wasn't. Yeah, I'm not sure if you really embraced me too much, uh, Parco. And, uh, you know, so we probably didn't see eye to eye there for quite a, a while. But I guess if, um, you know, a coach sees the ability in you and, you know, embraces you and guides you and teaches you and allows you to showcase your, your skill, you can certainly develop a lot quicker. So um, I was lucky later on, you know, Barry Mitchell and Wayne Britton came along and they were the ones who just went, mate, you've got this guy here and, you know, he's capable of doing this. And so they took my game to another level. I'm still, I love Parco and he taught me a lot about life and that too. He's a great man. But like being a coach, it's pretty hard to help everyone. And he probably looked at me and maybe thought, look, the kid's talented, but maybe he's a bit lazy, you know, maybe didn't like my sort of character being part of his team. There's probably a lot of reasons. I'm not sure. I've never really sat him down and asked him why, but he always said, yeah, he wasn't, you know, maybe he didn't see it in me. I'm not hundred percent sure. So, and it sometimes takes a little bit of luck and I look at sometimes and I think, geez, you know, if I didn't get picked two weeks later, I could have easily just been going back to a local football club and maybe been a standout at a local football club. So it's a lot of it's timing, a little bit of luck and I'm sure there's a lot of great players out there that probably didn't fulfil their AFL dreams. Yeah, what do you think drove you through those challenges? I guess it's the goal and the belief, you know. Like I always I'll watch other players and think, but I know I'm better than them, and simple to say, hard to do when you're going through it. 
the time evolved. Eventually, I was lucky enough then to to have that opportunity to showcase, you know, my ability. So I don't know. I persisted, and I look back now, and I, out of everything that I achieved out of my career, that's the thing that I always say to people when I go into business talks, or whatever. It's more like I look at my career and I achieved a lot. Maybe could have achieved even more. I had a lot of injuries during the peaks of my power. You know, it didn't work out perfectly or smoothly uh, my career but I look back and think you know those three and a half years of persistence and you know resilience to just keep going were probably the things that really I take with me now in my life as well with knowing that I did it tough to to eventually you know being able to live far beyond uh, any of my uh, wildest imaginations as a young kid you know hoping to play ASL or represent Australia Olympics I mean I went on to achieve more than what I could have imagined although I'm sure in the resume it could have even been better than you know what it was with a little bit of luck as well. But yeah, I was I was very lucky. When you look back at your career now, what are some of the main highlights? You when you look at that long career, where did that point change as well? That you thought you know I've made it and I'm a good player and I deserve to be here. Yeah, look, by the end of '94 there was a lot of hype about me, and then we 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 went into the '95 season and. A lot of the media people were saying as a football club we were too old and too slow as part of that group. And we had some great young talent there as well. I had my good mate Ange Christo and Scott Camparelli just came into the team. We had Adrian Whitehead, the young dudes, and uh, Matty Allen was coming through. And then the improvement of Brett Radden and Fraser Brown and Michael Sexton, these younger guys that were Green Manton came along as well from Essendon Football Club, who's another great mate of mine. And so, yeah, all of a sudden we had the most outstanding year and the most incredible year of my life. And so when I think back, those three and a half years of heartache and pain, uh, and uh, then I timed it really well to experience the greatest year of my life, 1995, because we only lost two games for the entire year and then went off to play off in the grand final against Shalom, who was a great team, who been in, I think, Three grand finals before they lost everyone. I think this was their fourth one they were coming into, hoping to you know finally win their you know, the Premiership Cup. But we were ready, a bit like what Geelong were last year to Sydney. We, I, I felt like that game there resembled so much what we were like in '95. You know, Geelong were a great team and actually favourites to win it. But once our siren went, and we just dominated them for four quarters and you know up by eighty odd points. I think halfway through the last quarter, we could have easily won by hundred points. I guess. We didn't take our foot off the pedal, but you know it was time to celebrate, and we ended up winning by ten goals. So that was definitely a highlight. The, the ninety-five and the ninety-nine prelim final to beat the unbeatable Essendon by that solitary one behind. I mean, they were arch enemy of ours, but a great, great team, and really deserved to be premiers that year. But we were the team to stop them or not allow them to uh, join us on sixteen premierships on you know in that year. Although they did in year two thousand, where they were just unbeatable. But yeah, that was another great win there as well. And my season of year 2000 was probably the standout season for myself where everything came together, you know, winning an MVP award, you know, voted by your, by your peers was another highlight of mine if we talk about individual honours. Are you looking to spice up your workout? Have you ever thought about Pilates? Or maybe you've tried Pilates before, but you're looking for somewhere new. KX Pilates in Fremantle offers a dynamic style of reformer Pilates. It fuses traditional Pilates with cardio and endurance training into a 50-minute high-intensity workout. It's a combination of strength, core stability, balance, flexibility, coordination. KX is honestly a revolutionary style of training. Now, I'm obsessed with KX Pilates in Fremantle. There's just amazing trainers. It's got really high energy and it's so much fun. So... 
If you want to come and give it a go, use the code LEFTOFFIELD10 at checkout and you will get 10% off their weekly, monthly or yearly packs only at Fremantle and limited to one use per person. So come on, why don't you join me down at KX Fremantle and see what all the fuss is about. And did you ever consider going to another club like Collingwood being a, you know, a diehard Collingwood supporter growing up? Did you ever tempted to move or once you've had the success of the Blues, you were kind of no, there I for life? The, yeah, I love the current football club. I got a massive offer from Port Adelaide when they came into the competition, but uh, I looked at it and uh, as much as it was unbelievable, like I just couldn't move from where I was. I mean, the success and the power the football club, the teammates and the people that I'd met at the football club, I just there was no way known I was going to leave. If there was a time I would have left was probably in those last five years that I spent at the football club where it was like the complete opposite of the first 12 years when I was there. But I think at that time there, you know, my footy wasn't going as well, you know, so there weren't too many clubs, you know, <laughs> dying to get out there to try to get me, you know, playing for them. So it was a little bit difficult, but definitely not in those uh, First 12 years I represented that football club, I was never ever going to leave. Obviously, throughout your career, a long time you were in the game. Did you see the game change? And, you know, what do you, how do you think you'd go playing the game today? Oh, I think I played in the best era. I think in the 80s and 90s, really, I think we went to another level. There were superstars everywhere. I, when I think about growing up, you know, as a migrant kid, there were two sports we all played, and that was footy and cricket. And although I didn't play cricket, in competition, we played socially. I did athletics, but majority of people play cricket. I, if I talk to my kids now about cricket, they have no idea about it. You know, they know it exists as a sport, but I never really see them play it. So, I feel like back then all the Australian talent went into two sports: cricket and footy. Just think, we had the best sports people in Australia back then competing in the AFL. It was very tough, and there were superstars everywhere. Nowadays, they're phenomenal athletes, but I, I see it being a bit more diluted. Maybe more teams. Maybe not as many of the kids, you know, there's so many sports now. We've got basketball, we've got soccer and all the other different sports as well. So kids play all different things now. So I don't think the talent's as good. And, uh, you, and there's, you know, you don't walk around and go, geez, he's a match winner, he's a match winner. The game is completely different to what it was back then. But uh, I admire them because it is a, it's a, the toughest game in the world, in my opinion. And they're still unbelievable athletes to do what they do. I mean, it's so, it's so st- strategic now and you've got to be fit and healthy and it's pretty hard to play if you're not 100%. So the guys are just, uh, yeah, total admiration for the guys nowadays. And how old you are, I'm not sure. It's easy to brag and go, oh, I would kill them and I would dominate in this sort of competition. But they are incredible players. So I'm not sure how I would go. Uh, I'm sure I'd still probably get a game somewhere being you know quite athletic the way that I was before. Who would you say in the modern day player you think best resembles you and your playing style and be closer to how you played the game? I think that, yeah, Nat Fife, I think, was probably compared to me quite a bit, you know, back in the day where he definitely midfield and forward and he could take a big mark. You know, uh, Luke Beveridge compared Bont and Pally to myself. I mean, Bont, basically, he was unbelievable. A couple of weeks ago when I watched him, it was probably the best I've seen him play. And, uh, but he's, I mean, he's solely a midfielder. The difference, I guess, was that I played everywhere, you know, and I sometimes just, Wherever the team needed me to patch up holes, if some player was missing, I'd be there. And basically, played on every position on the footy field. And back in my day, that was a little bit of a rare, rare thing to be able to do. And uh, you know, at six foot three, to then come into the midfield, that was unheard of back when I started to play it that way. And then you got your, uh, you know, Matthew Pavlich and Adam Goods, who started to do it even better than myself after that. So. 
the more athletes started to come into the game and people realised, hang on, we don't just have to play one or two key positions here. Basically, with a size like these guys, we can play anywhere. So, I don't know, people have compared me to Charlie Curnow and Patrick Cripps as well, and maybe they play differently to what I did. But uh, I, I just, uh, I'm honoured if anyone compares me to themselves as in a play. When I think I retired 16 years ago and your name still gets mentioned around, it's very nice and... Uh, when I think of you know how hard it was for me to become a senior player and the sort of impact uh, that I've left to the game, it's it's very very nice when I sit back and think about it. Yeah, and you've mentioned a few times that you were you know extremely athletic and you still are and you still do a lot of things. So, what made you want to stay? I guess in that kind of health and fitness post your career, do your own company and do your own business and all of that. Mm, that sort of years ago, I got really unwell health-wise, you know, sometimes sleeping 11 hours a night, I'd struggle to get out of bed, I'd get after work, sleep on the couch, and had all these other health issues, so I was really concerned for the first time eating organic food, and it didn't help, and then I got introduced into the Herbalife products, and I was a bit like a big sceptical, and like a lot of people are, because I was a non-believer in that sort of stuff, but the science and research that went behind the products fascinated me, I knew the guys had asked me to to sit down with them and they always look so healthy. I never really understood why, so I jumped on the product. I'm a bit of a skeptic, but you know, six days later, I was, I was just full of energy, running again, recovering from training so so quickly. I was just amazed by what it did for me. It was really life changing, and so I go, oh, okay, this is great, and wanted to know a little bit more about the business side. And a lot of skeptics on that one as well. But I went to a big event we called the Extravaganza. There was about twenty two thousand people there, and I just started hearing the stories and all this and this is when I, I, that's when I went, okay, this is exactly what I'm looking for after footy. It was, a, it was an opportunity to do the business in the style that I wanted to do it and uh, to go out there and try to help and inspire other people to get healthy and happier. And in particular nowadays when it's becoming tougher and I believe food is getting worse. If you really look deeply into the foods and what we're consuming, it's going to get harder and harder for everyone. So I believe everyone needs a little bit of supplementation, some good nutrition to kickstart, to cleanse internally, to get the villi operating and working. And it's not that difficult. And I think people out there really complicate things in weighing and measuring. I just live the most simplest life and the best way to do it and feel fantastic in doing it. And so I've inspired and helped a lot, a lot, a lot of people. I'm talking maybe, I'm sure, in the thousands during my journey and amongst the coaches that I have in my team as well. So... I love it. I really enjoy it. I do Fit Club now out of Bundura, out in the northern part of Melbourne. You know, we just help and guide. And we, we always say 20% exercise, but 80% is more about nutrition. 100% mindset because you've got to want to do it. And, uh, yeah, so that's, I think, critical. And so, yeah, I don't always train. People think I train every day. I haven't trained in two weeks, but I'm still able to keep in shape because I know my nutrition is, um, you know, pretty good. And you've also not only done, you know, your traditional training on track or on the field, uh, you've also done a bit of dancing with the stars and gladiators. So tell me about how did all of that come about and what made you want to, you know, get up there and try something different? Yeah, I know. I don't, you know what? It's all about experiencing things in life. And I'm glad I did it. And uh, dancing was a wonderful experience and uh, something I'd never done previously. And my mum loved the show. It was her favourite show. So when I told her, she was like, oh, you have to do it. So I listened to mum and it was funny because in the morning of the show was like they had the odds on television I was down the bottom so least favourite to win somehow I went on every week and got through and snuck through and got a little bit better and you know got to the end and uh, actually won the you know won the dance with the stars back in 2006 and it was such a great experience I mean I danced with Andrew Gaze who's just a funny man and he just made that series so much easier for me Tams and Lewis and we had Chris Hemsworth who's a mega star now 
who does all the movies and Thor and getting paid squillions, and he was on our series as well. He's another lovely guy. So we had a real good bunch of people on that on that series. It was fun to get out there, do you know, and perform at the grand final, do three dances and uh, getting the perfect score at the end. And then Channel Seven said, you know, since you've won that, why don't you do? They needed a celebrity gladiator. There was two of us, one male, one female, and uh, Tatiana Gregory Orof. I think I can't remember the name. She was from Middleton, the uh, whole lot. Tatiana was such an uh, incredible athlete and such a lovely lady. And so we were the two celebrities uh, on gladiators. And so that was a lot of fun too. Unfortunately, the global financial crisis hit. So that into a second series as they planned and the, the viewers were very good. So it, it rated quite high, but I think the cost of the production and all that when the global financial crisis came, they just couldn't uh, risk uh, filming another series of that. You got to experience it and it shows how important your health is to you to be able to do all of those different things. 100%. I lost my father back in 1998. He was only 58. I was just a young kid still living at home. And I never forget, like, he used to always say good luck when he'd be going to footy. I used to drive mum and dad. But when he was unwell, I was about to leave and go and play a practice match. I think it was in Tasmania. And I looked at him and said, Dad, aren't you going to wish me luck? And so I knew at that point it sort of hit me where I thought, you know, he's that unwell that, you know, he doesn't even care, I guess, how I play now because he's just really... You know, he was on the way out, unfortunately. I mean, I wasn't ready for it. It was the most difficult time of my life back then. And um, so from then, I always, I knew you've got to value health number one. You've got to look after yourself before anything else that you do. Because if you're not healthy and you're not happy, you'll you'll reflect that on everyone else that you talk to throughout the day. And so I've always put that importance of uh, health number one and try to tell people the same thing. I mean, it's up to them. I can't tell them what the value or whatever, but it's so important that you're healthy and in particular for me like you know if I get up if I'm not healthy I'm not feeling well well you know I might be a bit more cranky to the kids and may not be the father or role model they'd need me to be and so it, yeah I, I think you've got to, you've got to really look after yourself a lot of people come to me and say could have a look at me I'll put on weight and whatever but you know they don't stick with it you have to stick with it and give it a bit of time and it'll become a normal thing and part of your life and then from there you won't ever look back yeah no definitely well it's You've obviously proven that, you know, if you look after yourself, you can have a long career in, a, in the health and fitness kind of industry and doing multiple things. And you've just got to value, I guess, the body you have. 100%. Yeah, it's the mind and the body and the health and everything coming together. But thank you so much for chatting to us today. I um, really appreciate getting an insight into, into your crazy life that you've had and I uh, really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful day.